All right, so hi everyone and welcome back to KaveJ Screening Room, a podcast centered around cinema, the industry, and the future. Um, I'm joined here with a very special guest, my cousin Lily Moyeri. Hi everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, no, I'm really happy to have you. I think we're going to have a really, really good discussion that we've been waiting to have for a couple of months now. It's been a while. Yeah, and it's funny because this what we're going to talk about in this episode is stuff that we talk about on a regular basis, and now we're just recording it. We've had this com- these the conversation we're going to have. We've had it multiple times before. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we get into it, no spoilers. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and what you yeah. do? Sure. Um, as Kava said, I'm Lily Moyeri. I am a music journalist and also, I guess, an arts journalist because I do also write about television and art and film to a certain degree, although primarily I write about music. Um, I've been doing that since 1992, and I'm also a teacher librarian at LAUSD out here in Los Angeles, which I've been doing for 10 years, and I've been a teacher overall for 17 years. Uh, and you have a podcast as well. Pictures oh, yeah. of Lily podcast. Thanks for the shout out. I, <laughs> I have a Pictures of Lily podcast, as Kava said. Um, my podcast is, uh, it comes out every other week on Wednesdays, and it's 10 minutes. And it's basically my experience as a music journalist. So if I have an interesting experience or a personal experience or an anecdotal experience with somebody that I interview, I will talk about it. So it doesn't have any guests or anything. It's just uh, kind of my experience essentially uh, about interviewing people. So I'll have like some of the episodes I've had have been like Johnny Marr from the Smiths, for instance, or um, what else am I thinking about? Like some of the more popular ones. Oh, Liam Gallagher. He's my most popular one. Um, And I've known him for many, many years. So there's a lot of talk, a lot to talk about on that one. Another popular one is his brother, Noel Gallagher, a lot of talk, lot to talk to about that one too. The feedback on those has been interesting from, uh, you know, their, their fans have found them and the feedback's been interesting. So yeah, every other Wednesday, Pictures of Lily podcast. Yeah, I highly recommend. There's a lot of good stuff and the bite-sized episodes are really nice. Um, I say that to say we're about to talk for a lot longer <laughs> than that, but. I always tell people when people are like, oh, yeah, I haven't had a chance. I'm like, it's 10 minutes. You can listen to it while you're <laughs> making your coffee. It's definitely exactly not in any way. It's the perfect wake up call. So um, we are here to talk about at least what I think is probably the most under the radar show of 2020. Just based off how many people have seen it. And I think you're the only person I know who has seen it. And you actually told me about it. It's called Betty. It's a six episode series on HBO that got renewed for a season two. Um, I think it came out in like end of April, beginning of May, if I recall. I want to say, I'll tell you exactly when it came out because I wrote a review of it. May 1st, I wrote a review of it, which posted the day it came out. So yeah, Um, as you said, it is, it's not a limited series. I don't want to give that impression. It was just a short first season of six half hour episodes. And yes, it has been renewed for a season two, which is giving Kava and I life. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> um, so just a little elevator pitch on the show. It is about a group of skater girls in New York um, and their lives. They're in their late teens and early 20s. So definitely the 
Generation Z like era, and it's just their lives. Um, and the creator, the creator, the director, the writer, Crystal Moselle, she met two of the girls that are on the show on a subway. She just overheard them talking and she started getting in on their conversation and becoming friends with them. And from that, she made a movie called Skate Kitchen, uh, where she used these real life skate skater girls to um, tell, to just build a story around that. And that movie is great, but, and it feels like a documentary. And then this series, Betty, is basically the spinoff of the movie, but I wanna make sure that people don't think it's the same thing. Cause you and I were talking about this, Kaveh, and it was, I was like, we have to think of those as two separate entities. And it's confusing to do that because it's the same actors, so to speak. I'm, I'm putting air quotes, although you guys can't see it because they're not actors. They're actually just skate girls who are acting as essentially themselves. And um, so it's the same people and similar characters, but it's not the same story at all. Like Skate Kitchen, it's his own standalone thing and Betty is his own thing. And just because you recognize the characters don't actually mean they're the same. They're not actually playing exactly the same character. So it's not like you need to see Skate Kitchen to get into Betty or vice versa. And I do love both, although my heart belongs to Betty. Yeah, I, I saw Skate Kitchen, I think like maybe early 2019 because I'd heard about it from, I think it premiered at Sundance, but that was the year of like multiple skater films that came out because Jonah Hill's mid nineties, um, Bing Lou's Minding the Gap, which is like arguably not a skater movie, but they're, but it is at the same time, a great documentary. So I think that was the last of the three I saw and I did not really connect with it, mostly because of the, Jaden Smith is in Skate Kitchen and that plot line just, I could not get into it. That being said, his character is not in Betty and it kind of gives the principal crew room to shine and not really be like held back by a bigger star taking the stage, even though Smith was in a, like a supporting role in the movie. Um, and I think it just, I think you described it best in your review. <laughs> Something about skates to its own or am I making this up? No, I don't know if I, I don't know if I don't know what I said in my review, although I do have it open in front of me. I want to just comment on what you said, because I 100% agree with you on the Jaden Smith thing. I was thinking about that yesterday, because of course, I rewatch Betty for, by the way, the fourth time. <laughs> and this time, my husband Lawrence watched it with me, and it was his first time, and uh, he loved it. And he, I, I thought about suggesting that he watch Skate Kitchen and I was like, he's gonna get turned off by the Jaden Smith thing. So it's interesting that you say that because it's true. Just the fact that you read, nobody in Skate Kitchen is uh, recognizable or in Betty because they're not actors. They're just real life people. So you're just invested in them. Whereas when Jaden Smith showed up, you're like distracted by him in a way. Uh, and I, I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Um... Just before we even start our discussion, which if you haven't seen Betty yet, it will take you three hours max without stopping. And it is so worth it. There's so many better. There's so many worse ways to spend three hours. <laughs> I can confirm given some of the movies that we've both seen recently that are almost that length. Not to shout them out here because they don't deserve it. But <laughs> before we get started, do you want to explain what a Betty means in skate culture? 
Um, so a Betty is somewhat of a derogatory term for a skater girl. And what the show is doing is kind of reclaiming it by calling it Betty and kind of reclaiming it, redefining it because it is now meant in the most positive way. And I do want to point out that just, you know, on an aesthetic way, the way that they say the name of the at the beginning of each episode, the way they work it into whatever you're looking at is great. So it doesn't have these kind of opening credit-y type things. You'll just, one of the girls will be do some, doing something or a bunch of them or something, whatever's happening, they just kind of work it in there where it becomes like a splash of paint or it becomes a drop of water or it just becomes something on the ground. And it's, it's pretty fun. I think the way that they work that aesthetic in. Yeah. And I kind of like, this is like the most KVJ tidbit. I like how it's not at the same part of each episode. Cause it's not like it's a cold open, but there are certain times where the title's perfectly placed. Like it might be the second episode. There's one where someone's having ice cream, right? Ice cream. And then something else happens. And then it flashes back to just the ice cream on the ground. Yep. Spelling Betty or Kurt is holding onto a truck that says Betty in the back. I agree. It, it is pleasing. Yeah, it is. Um, I think that's uh, actually a really good segue into the first major point, unless you have anything more for introduction. I just want to say, I might have, I could have even said this at the end, but what's funny is, I don't know if it's funny, aha, uh, ha, but I got the email from HBO. By the way, it's on HBO. Did we mention that? <laughs> I think we did. It might have been in passing. Okay. Um, I got the email from HBO about it. And as soon as I saw the word, skate I immediately clicked and and I was like okay great something about skating because uh as a skater myself let's not I'm not don't want to give anybody <laughs> a wrong impression I can travel on a skateboard that's it I can get from point a to point b and some I of us can't do that so <laughs> impressive. Okay. don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm a Betty I'm not I just can stand on a board so I clicked on it and I watched the trailer and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm absolutely not watching this. And I was just so turned off by the whole thing. And I cannot for the life of me remember why I ended up watching the screeners, but they sent me the screeners. Maybe I just watched them because they sent them to me. You know, like I didn't even, I don't even know that I requested them. And I watched the first episode and I realized I was smiling the whole time, like just sitting there completely out of my mind uh, from just how good the show was making me feel and how much I loved what was going on on screen and just the way it looked and the way it was telling a story and the characters, every single thing about it appealed to me. And I just never got up off the couch. I just sat there and watched all six episodes instantly wrote the review and that was it I was like what just happened and I remember telling you that I really hated the trailer and you're like oh all all trailers for series are bad you can't watch them (laughs) the only time I will ever watch a series trailer is when they shove it in front of a YouTube video otherwise it's just like that and Netflix movies there's no need because they're all going to be on streaming usually the only trailers i watch are in theaters but that's been messed up which is disappointing that's so funny that after you said that i was like wait he's completely right (laughs) he's right that all trailers for series are really don't make you want to watch the series if anything they make they make you think i'm not watching that and that's been the case for pretty much every show i've ever liked i'm like even 
after watching the show, I still don't like the trailer. I still think the trailer is bad, but that's an aside. That's not, that's just telling you how much I was not interested in seeing the show. And then I come, I just like blasted through it four times. Yeah. So in the, in the case for time, just cause I'm really worried. Cause I feel like we could talk about this for hours. Yeah. Let's jump right into just takeaways from the show. And I want to start with Moselle's direction in particular and what aspects stand out to you? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, cinematography is insane on this show. It is so beautiful to look at. Um, Skate Kitchen was also the same way, really gorgeous. The way it's this combination of kind of almost um, like, sur- like if you're filming a surf movie, it's kind of like that, like, and the slow motion the music that goes with it, and then cut that with like this handheld kind of Instagram story or TikTok type of style of filming. And the way that they go back and forth between those two things is, it's just so fluid. It works so, so well. And it's part of what really kind of makes me feel good when I watch the show is just the way they're like you say like to use your words tracking shots is just it's just beautiful and like the backdrops are beautiful and and it's not even like they're filming in really exceptionally beautiful places because they're not I mean you know it's just a concrete skate park or it's a New York City street and it's like a gritty New York City street it's not meant to be picturesque in any way it's just the way it's shot is very aesthetically amazing yeah that's the perfect way to put it it's like that's basically everything i want to say a few things in particular is i know you hate when i use this word (laughs) but it is the one word i really think of when watching the steady cam shots that she uses and it's gentle and i know it's a weird word but there's such like with every follow of a skater there's such calculated like physics behind it and I don't know if physics is the right word but if it's not physics it's even more impressive that she can just think of like shooting it in this way because it's exactly how you said it's just really calming for some reason even when it shouldn't be because I don't know about you but when people do skate tricks it's like the biggest anxiety for me just watching (laughs) them I'm like I feel like something's gonna happen mainly because and we'll get to this after actually so I don't want to bring it up now but I had a very bad skate fall after watching Betty um <laughs> yeah oh we so, should you after you see betty you're gonna invest in a skateboard that it it happens to every single person that watches the show is they 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 need to get on a board exactly and you cannot be too confident on the first day i've learned <laughs> that in in a very hurtful way um and i think another thing about the setting is the lighting itself it's very natural lighting-esque and even from a first impression unless you're really paying attention, you might not notice it, but a lot of the sun rays get in the camera. So it's kind of like you're filming yourself on your phone with like, I don't know what the newest iPhone is, but they've been getting better over time. And it honestly feels like it's shot on an iPhone with the way the light penetrates what's happening on screen. But it's not in a way that it's like, oh, I can't see what's happening. It's kind of like it builds a vibe and creates this kind of an endless summer New York energy, which is just kind of a dream. And it makes everything look so much more realistic and real. And it's weird that I completely agree with you. 
And it's uh, strange when you say dream because it's totally dreamy and 100% real at the same time, which is, I don't even know how you create that, but she's done it. She's done it. Like I, when you watch it, you're just like, this is, it, it really does feel like you're watching it in a dream. This is not to say that the storylines or anything like that are at all dreamy or that we're spending a lot of time just watching people skate. Skating is definitely like a central focus of the, of the show, but it's not about skating. It's about all the stuff that people are going through and this is something that's connecting them and it's something that's making them feel good. And one of the things that one of the characters, Kurt keeps saying is that it's fun. And that is, that's something um, we didn't mention. I did interview Crystal, the director for, um, for Variety because I wrote about the music of the show and I interviewed her and her close friend Asuka Matsumuya, who is the composer for the show. And what Asuka creates uh, musically is adds so much to what we're looking at. And um, the needle drops that Crystal picks, um, which she's not the only one picking them, but she is the main person who decides what the music is gonna be. They have everything to do with how the show is coming across. Mm -hmm. One of the things I mentioned to Crystal is that you know the whole time you don't make it make skating um unattainable in any way like it's yet one of the skaters is really good the rest of them are just having a good time and the one that's really good i think she's actually a professional at this point um the uh, character who plays camille rochelle vinberg she's i think she's professional but um i don't know that she was i don't know if she's professional professional i just know that she's really very 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 good at tricks and everything. And, um, but the rest of the girls are just having fun. And I think that's really an important distinction to make is that we're not trying to make this something that you're shut out of because you're not great at skating or you've never been on a skateboard. And one of the characters, they get her on a board in the first episode, she wasn't even on a board. Um, Indigo, she was she you know well that's one of the characters on the show she was just hanging out in a van and they just like talked into getting on a board and next thing you know she's on a board and she and over the course of the show you see her just getting better and i think it's realistic i mean it didn't take me that long to be able to travel on a board at all at all it's more about the confidence of getting on the board it doesn't i don't think like it takes that long to actually be able to move so I don't know how long the show is taking place over. I think it takes place over a whole summer. So from the beginning of summer to the end of summer, you can become a pretty, pretty decent skater. Not tricks or anything, but you can you're you're pretty comfortable moving around on a skateboard. So yeah. Yeah, and I think that accessibility aspect kind of permeates in the friendships made in the show as well. I know that's like later in the bullet points, but I feel like it works perfectly here because. I think with so many high school shows, especially with Euphoria being the like top high school show, which is coincidentally also on HBO, every show is so incredibly dramatized. It's like there's enemies, there's friends, like you're only with your group. There's you can't talk to anyone who's out of your group. And I guess sometimes that is accurate, but at other times, there's just people that you're not necessarily best friends with, but you can always sit down to and talk with. And that is something that I think Betty does so well is that, especially with the guy characters in this show, two problematic people aside, um, which you'll see when you watch the show, there's like 
characters who are only in cameo appearances, which cameo is a stretch because they're part of the show. They just don't really appear a lot are just randomly sitting with Camille, for example, at bubble tea. And they just walk in and all sit down and talk together. And it's like, they've been best friends for their entire lives. And I think that's really interesting. And it kind of makes you really just fall in love with all the characters right from the start. Totally agree. Totally agree. And you're right. Everything is always really dramatized and really polarized and separate and all the, all of this stuff. And Betty is not like that. And one of the main things that I notice about shows where there are maybe a higher number of queer characters, especially if they're girls, is that there's a kind of man bashing or cut out the guys kind of element. And that's absolutely not the case here. I mean, the girls are trying to like mark their territory on this in the skate park and like have more girls come and meet them there. And so that they can have more of a presence there. But I don't know if the guys are so much having are like not happy about having them there as they are. Um, they just there's just not a lot of them. But as you said, they're absolutely friends with these guys and the guys are friends with them and the guys are not necessarily treating them like sex objects or objectifying them in any way. It's nothing like that. And they're like that with the straight girls as well as with the not straight girls. And one of the not straight girls never even wears a top. She, you know, I mean, like she rarely wears a top. She looks great by the way, her fashion is fire. But she's like, you know, she's got stickers on her nipples and she maybe she wears a little vest or something. And she wears like super short shorts. She looks great and that nobody, at all harasses her. She's a shy character. I know it's weird because she's topless, but she's super shy. She just expresses herself in her fashion. And um, like guys are just not harassing the girls. And I definitely feel like in the current time, that's certainly the case where you where you're just friends. You don't, it's not always turning into something. It's not always about anything except just hanging out and just chilling together. And especially you know, when they all did those mad mushrooms together and they were just lying around on the grass. It was just one of the characters, um, Kurt, with three dudes and they were just being very, very, very high together and super bonding and being really supportive of each other's altered states <laughs> and connecting. And not that they have to be high to do that. But yeah, but at the same time, I feel like, again, the two two guy characters that we don't love that's also realistic, you know, where it's just like, well, yes, maybe there are some guys that you do end up having non-platonic relationships with, and maybe they're good guys, and maybe they're not good guys, and that's absolutely realistic, and the way that those relationships play out, and the way that the girls support the girls that were in those relationships, I think is amazing, amazing, because they're just trying to, they're, they really tell each other the truth, I feel, on this show. And uh, one of the, I think, if, if it's okay for me to use just a slight profanity. Um, yeah, of course. At the end of the show, when, at the, I think it's the final episode, when Camille is still trying to talk to this guy. And <laughs> Indigo just said, didn't he dump the shit out of you? <laughs> oh you need your friends to say those things you know if you're not like listening to yourself in your head it's so good to have friends that are just telling you truths and just stopping you from doing dumb stuff and that's the other thing the friendships on the show just 
yeah, what you were saying about friendships is just, I, I love it between the girls, between the guys and the girls, all of it. Yeah. And I think that's a good place to jump into themes, even though that was going to be the last thing we talk about, just because I think writing a six episode TV series is hard. This is not to plug myself, but I just did that and I'm trying to write another one. And it's like, you're four episodes in, you're like, how am I going to finish everything in two episodes without it seeming like two controlled together and even if Betty didn't get renewed for a second season it would have ended in the most perfect way and its ability to hint at all of these themes and do them in a way that never feels overly this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it to the viewer is interesting especially because there's this hashtag me too plot line that is a pretty central part of the show and we've talked about promising young woman a lot and this is not to even bring that up for critical discussion but i think it's like the exact opposite where it never feels like it's like and this is not to say promising a woman is a bad movie it's a it's an interesting movie and we can talk about it another time but it never feels like it's like it's not about the movement as promising a woman as the assistant and i may destroy you which we'll talk about as well um it's not about it but it's a central part of it and it's important because it's one thing you take away with so many other things, if that makes sense. It does. And like, I think in my review, the word I used was agenda. And I feel like Betty just doesn't have an agenda. It's not trying to hammer a point home or it's not trying to be moralistic in any way. And it's not trying to tell you how to live your life. It's just telling these stories and what Crystal which I already knew, but Crystal like definitely confirmed this over and over is like, these are these girls' lives. She's very good at taking a real story and telling it as fiction while retaining all the authenticity of what actually happened. Um, So, you know, these girls are her friends. They tell her what's going on. She hangs out with them. She goes to these parties with them. So if they're at that key party, she's been to a key party with them. She saw some kind of drama that happened or they told her about it. And there's this uh, scene where one of the characters is at a photo shoot that she feels is racist. And she just like, you know, walks out of it. And she, Crystal told me that Ajani, the girl that plays the character that this happens to, She's like, that's exactly out of her life. That's exactly what happened to her. We just like retold that story. And like, even with the music, um, Crystal said, oh, that's what they listened to. And Asuka told me the same thing. She said, there's some stuff that we put in the, in the TV show that they don't listen to, but we felt went really well. But we made sure that we also included all of the stuff that they also listened to, which is a lot of hip hop. But I think that's partially why this works is intentionally or unintentionally well probably intentionally but it they're able to work in these themes because these themes are actually things that are happening with the girls the girls are having maybe an uncomfortable encounter with a dude who's supposed to be their friend and their boyfriend and it turns into something ugly so they can talk about that because this is something that has happened or just, you know, just going out with a guy who's kind of a douchebag. And that's totally something that happens. Um, But one of the things that really stands out even more to me from Betty is their friendships, because friendships are not always perfect and your friends are not always 
the best that they can be or at their best. And there's multiple times over the six episodes where these girls apologize to each other and the apologies are sincere. And what I love about it is as if you can always tell as the viewer if the apologies is, is sincere and so can the characters. If it's sincere, the apology is instantly accepted instantly things are made up and they move on skating away together. And yeah. I like that a lot, partially because I have a hard time doing that. I have a hard time, I'm getting better because I'm an adult uh, at apologizing <laughs> and accepting apologies and moving on from it. But I love it that they just, you know, once the apology is expressed, it's squashed, it's over, it's forgiven, and it's put in the past. And when the apology is not sincere, which it wasn't in one of the cases, because also racial stuff comes up here. You know, this is a very multicultural cast for sure. There's a ton of different um, ethnicities and races that are being represented. Um, again, not with an agenda, just because that's actually who this group of people are. It's just like, but this girl just happens to be black and that girl just happens to be white and that girl just happens to be like half Puerto Rican or whatever it is. It's just this mixture. They have the skating thing in common. Um, and by the way, you mentioned earlier that something about high school shows. This is not a high school show, just so that everybody's clear. Mm. Yeah, I should have said that. Post high school. They're probably like first year of college or second year if they're going to college at all, which some of them are and some of them aren't. But um, that was just a tangent. Um, but I, but yeah, when the apologies are not sincere, they don't accept them. You know, they, they make you actually say what you're sorry for, which in Kurt's case, you know, she flew off the handle and, you know, when the cops showed up, she was able to run away or hide and a bunch of the black girls got arrested and they were very angry with her because they're like, we can't run. You know, and it was something that she had a hard time understanding. She thought she had their back when really she threw them under the bus. And again, no agenda. It was just done very, very well. And if I can add one more thing here, which I think I put in my review. Yeah, of course. The other thing I like is that whatever issue is brought up is not resolved in that episode necessarily. I don't like those episodes that tie up nicely together. You know, that doesn't. Like to me, it's just like, okay, so this was your point. This is how you addressed it. This is how it was resolved. And me as the viewer, you know, you've just tied it up and like spoon fed it to me. And it's like a sitcom. Yeah. It's, it's like a sitcom. It's literally, yeah. Or like a procedural drama where like, you know, the crime gets solved by the end of the 44 minutes. And I'm just like, that's fine. And we're used to that. But I love it that this show isn't like that. And it takes multiple episodes and you know, a gradual but really believable way for an issue to get resolved. And it does get resolved. It just gets resolved in a way that you're just like, that makes sense. That's what would happen. That feels real and true. Yeah. And I think there have been a lot of really good movies and shows with very clear agendas recently, um, which we're going to talk about one in a future episode, I May Destroy You, which is another show that we just love. But I think because it doesn't have an agenda, it can approach all of its different topics in very distinct ways and kind of slip through the cracks of what the shows with the agendas kind of miss, which makes all of them amazing as a result. And I think 
Another thing that you mentioned a bit earlier that I just want to circle back on is that there are a lot of like movies that try to be natural and TV shows that try to be natural and like fail horribly at it. There's not (laughs) one moment in this entire series where I'm like, there's no way that this would happen in real life because it always feels like it's real life. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, you know, this is coming from me who is significantly older than the characters on the show. Although as a teacher, I'm around, you know, that age group a lot. Um, So I see it play out in real life and you are that age group. So if you, and you're very, I mean, you know, you don't, you don't mince your words and you don't let people get away with stuff at all in art. You just don't. And I really uh, admire that about you because as a critic, sometimes I'm scared to be critical and you're absolutely not scared to be critical. So if something (laughs) is not ringing true or, you know, falling flat, you will absolutely call it out. And you will certainly call it out if it's something that's supposed to represent your age group and your generation. And you'll be like, nope, that would never happen. That has never happened with either me or any of my friends or my siblings or my relatives. Like, this is just not how it would happen. So having you say that it feels, you know, correct, I know is is a thing because I'm like, well, it looks correct to me as someone who is looking at these as young girls, but um, having you say it as their contemporary is even stronger. Yeah. And I think another reason why, and this is the part where it could convincingly be at its least natural, but at least it's my favorite scene of the show <laughs> and not to spoil anything, but we talked about the character honey bear earlier and oh. I'm not going to give any context of what happens, but there is this beat drop cut to a scene of her just dancing on this roof beautiful sunset behind her and you can see the skyline of Manhattan and it's probably like and it's definitely my favorite part of the show and I told you right after I finished it back in August or October I don't actually remember when I finished it um and I was like this is like the one scene that I will not forget it's one of my favorite scenes of anything Mm -hmm. in any tv show or movie last year just because one it's taking a risk that most shows don't and Honestly, if this was on like NBC or anything, I think it instantly would have gotten cut out, which kind of showed me that she has, she was given the freedom to like take those risks. Two, I'm a sucker for random scenes that aren't random, but kind of is like comes out of nowhere, especially like just a dancing scene in the middle of nowhere. And three, Honey Bear is someone who doesn't like to talk. And I was actually just thinking of this when I was walking today. And I was like, my mind was being blown. (laughs) Yet you're communicating that she's finally expressing herself and becoming who she is and showing that even if there's no one around. And they communicate that theme with absolutely no words. And I think there's something like incredible about that that buys into what we were talking about, that they don't have to spell everything out because it all becomes clear by the time the series concludes. Yeah. Completely agree with you. And that scene, I when I watched it yesterday, I was just crying. It's so beautiful and the music is so perfect. And again, I'm reiterating that I feel like the music really pushes the story every step of the way. Um, the combination of the needle drops and Asuka's score, they work so well together and they work so well with the visual and nothing is just done for the sake of it being done. Again, Crystal, I talked to her about the music a lot. Um, she did say, you know, I had to, 
like I had to get some songs cleared because that's what the girls listen to. Like, and she, she said, you know, some of these artists were asking for stupid money and she was really annoyed because it was like a big artist asking for a lot of money. And she's like, you don't need this money. You think it's an HBO show. And she was like, I want to pay them this money, but I want them to donate it to Skatistan. <laughs> and um, because she needed to have the music, you know, she needed it to be correct and representative of the girls' lives and the story she was trying to tell. And that just, that scene that some other songs like, um, uh, what's the name of the artist? It's the song called One of the One of the Girls or something. I'll pull it up. And that, that's, that's probably my, that one. Okay. Oh, there's one of the girls. That's that song placement. And the one you're talking about, which is cigarettes after sex. Yeah. It's called apocalypse. Apocalypse. That's right. Is and, the song. Yes. And uh, also top down channel trays, uh, which was uh, soundtracking the party that they were at this outdoor party, which was another great party where everybody was getting down to like this music. And it was like this big mix of people and, um, Crystal told me that that was Brooklyn Soul Summit. That's what it's based on. It's not actually the Soul Summit, but it's what it's based on. And she went to that party like every time. And she said she shazammed that song at the party and put it in the party. Which again, more reasons why the show is completely authentic. It's just a series of wish I was here's the entire (laughs) time. Like that scene that you're referring to just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's a stop on a character's journey to find someone to say the least and Moselle spends like two minutes there or like a minute to two minutes there which is like it's hard to keep a viewer's attention I feel like especially in the world of everything's on tvs now we don't really go anywhere to watch anything but that was always the case for tv shows but even so like I find a lot of difficulties like paying attention to something but if there's a scene of a guy DJing this song for two minutes and I still have not looked away from the tv once <laughs> you have to know it's like it's a powerful scene there's a lot and it's worth watching yeah yeah and it just there was just a lot of connection happening in that scene same as with the other party you know where oh that that was like completely different scenario and oh i just love the show so much um i was gonna say something that now i'm forgetting oh yeah okay so something you said earlier we know there's a season two, but Crystal didn't know this when she was making this. So like you said, this is a standalone six episodes that, you know, you can watch from beginning to end. You have a ton of resolution. You have a ton of conclusions. You have a, everything is pretty much wrapped up. But a lot of it, you know, obviously it's outdoors. It's in New York. It's a lot of people interacting with each other and parties and friendships and closeness so you and I are both wondering, is season two going to be pandemic-y? How, is that going to be interesting? Is it not? How is the skating aspect of it going to work? So we're very curious about what season two is going to be like. Because I've noticed shows do one of two things, obviously. They either pretend they're in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see masks and social distancing, although all shows do that really badly, where I'm just like, <laughs> you're not your... How is it that you've arrived somewhere and now you're taking off your mask once you're indoors? But that's an entirely different conversation. And other shows just pretend like pandemic didn't happen, which I kind of prefer because I feel like that's just a little bit more (laughs) realistic, (laughs) even though it's not realistic. I just feel like it just, you know, shows are also escapism and films are escapism and it's much 
it's much more interesting for me to just watch something where you're not doing pandemic stuff. No, I agree. We've even talked about movies that use Zoom and it is the most like <laughs> uh, draining thing ever. But I think an interesting thing that arises from this is how deep into these characters' home lives do you go in season two? Because I think only two characters we see their parents or at least their mom. Mm -hmm. And in both of those things, they have a very big impact on the two characters. But the rest of them, we have no idea about their families. They're mentioned sometimes in passing or just not at all. And I think that's interesting because it, shines all the light on the girls themselves and highlights this what we do in the day aspect and kind of we spent all of our days at the skate park it doesn't matter why we just do and i think if you bring the pandemic into it do you have to address some of the home life situations that's completely true we saw a bit more home life in um skate kitchen and I don't know, like a lot of the stuff in Skate Kitchen is got nothing to do with Freddie. So I don't know if that's tra that transfers over because we saw Camille's home life, which was a huge like storyline in the show. And we saw um, Janae's home life, which we see, I mean, we're in her room here. So I'm assuming she saw the same scenario with she lives with her dad and so forth. Um, but yeah, you're right. The parents are not the parents are not present it's like a it's like a peanuts cartoon or a peanuts comic strip where the parents are just not even sounds in the background they're just like non-existent these people just but it's clear that they all live at home though yeah and see their parents that's true um there's one other thing i wanted to mention but i just completely forgot <laughs> is it in our notes it's something about the friendships and i just wanted to build off of it while you're thinking think. about that, one last thing is I love how, you know, Janae had this major showdown with the girl that she thought was talking smack about her ex-boyfriend because of the way they're, what her ex-boyfriend told her and how they got into such a sh total showdown. It went crazy. Weren't you in Barbados? Go back to Barbados. <laughs> oh, it was nuts. And then once she calmed down, she realized I actually need to hear this girl out. Like I need to stop just like yelling at her because she was trying to tell me something and I couldn't really hear her because there was all these people and I was yelling back at her. So mm -hmm. she reached out and asked to, you know, let, he's like, I just want to hear her out, which I thought was really, really mature, really amazing. And she did, she listened, you know, and the fact that they just went into the pool to do this you know it's just like no one's around one of us is in our underwear the other one's a lifeguard we're in the pool we're having this like very reasonable conversation in the pool which i it blew my mind blew my mind that scene and she she heard her and she listened to her and just the way that all that played out i don't want to spoiler it but those those characters, those twin girls, they're some of my top favorite characters on the show. And they're like very peripheral, but I love them. Yeah, and even in that scene, I did remember what I was going to talk about. Thankfully, you mentioned the party, which brought it <laughs> back. But even in that scene, she gets hit by a, like a beach ball in the middle of it randomly. <laughs> and it's kind of that like snap back to reality that reminds you that it is... It is a skate show, but it's also mostly a slice of life show that relies on skating, but isn't really 
as weird as it sounds, it's not fully defined by skating, even though like the thing you'll remember most is obviously the skating because it's just vibes. Um, And I think the ability to go from that to the scenes we were talking about, even in the party scene, characters just come in and out of this show. Like people are talking to people and we've never seen these people before, but if we were just dropped into this part of the episode, we think they've been best friends forever because there's always something to talk about. Um, And I just think that's that ability to go from seriousness to like just living life without really thinking about anything or thinking about anything serious is just really impressive how they bounce back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. And of course the Tony Hawk cameo which you told yes. me totally a thing and because Tony Hawk, Tony Hawk has a cameo and they don't they say he's not allowed to come to the skate party they have because it's girls only <laughs> and then they give a flyer to his friend and he just tells his friend well have fun <laughs> and, and then cover told me that that's actually a thing in Tony Hawk's life where he keeps meeting people that don't recognize him and I was like oh I didn't know this was a this was like a like an ongoing thing and uh it's great he's great in it for the second that he's in it and yeah we can't recommend the show enough that's all like let's leave you with that you won't exactly you won't if I you very confident in recommending this show to anybody of any age whatever you like you're not going to dislike Betty I can guarantee you that you're going to love it yeah and you're going to have to find a skateboard soon because <laughs> it's only a matter of time and yeah that the fall I had was really bad too <laughs> do you remember it i think i showed you it my entire arm was bruised like it was smacked on the it was on concrete too so it was just not what you want well it's like the first very first scene where um kurt's taking pictures of our bruised butt exactly and what an opening (laughs) i I forgot that's how it started me too and i was like oh yeah this is just like real life skate you know (laughs) accidents well, this was fun. Any excuse to talk about Betty, I'll take it. I know. And if, if you like this discussion, if you didn't like this discussion, please seek out Betty. There's something in it for everyone, I promise. And special thank you to Lily. We'll be back to talk about a lot more stuff. Um, just yeah, to tease. This was fun. Um, so thank you guys. Make sure to follow at Cave Jolinas on Instagram and Twitter to stay updated. CaveJerviews.com. What's your account? Oh, Lily um, at Lily Moayuri, L-I-L-Y-M-O-A-Y-E-R-I, at L-I-L-Y-M-O-A-Y-E-R-I. That's across all socials. I'm not on TikTok because they won't give me Lily Moayuri, so I refuse to get a TikTok because they won't let me just have my name. They have to have it with a one or something. I'm like, no, I won't. The and former I pictures of Lily. There is no, there's no Lily Moayuri on TikTok, so I don't understand why I can't have it, but oh, well. <laughs> oh well you know where to find her everywhere else besides tiktok um <laughs> thank you guys for joining us in kvj's screening room and see you guys soon peace out bye